podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. What's good, boys and girls? Welcome to the Two-Footed Podcast. On Thursday, the 4th of February, we're brought to you by EPLindex.com in association with our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. That's a virtual privacy network. It allows you to go online, change your location if you want to access American Netflix, or if you're from the UK and moving abroad and want to use your Now TV, it allows you to set your location back to the UK so that you can access Brexit World. Uh, it also keeps your data safe online so you can't get hacked. The ne'er-do-wells can't get close to your stuff. LibertyShield.com. Use the code EPLVPN to get 20% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a homeware and giftware company located in Scotland but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk. Right, folks, it's not a good day. It's not a good day at all. It's a good day for Brighton fans. It's not a good day for me, but we're going to get to that game in a little bit. We'll start off with the first game from last night, which was Burnley against Manchester City. Credit to Burnley, they didn't get walloped 5-0 this time, but that's about the only credit you can give them for this performance. Uh, 25% possession at home, zero shots on target, two shots on goal, the first of which came after about 75 minutes. Uh, They rolled over and had their belly tickled by Manchester City once again. Look, I don't blame them. City are in ridiculous form at the moment. They are rampant. They are swatting teams aside uh, as if they are a giant and everybody else is just a minnow. They are looking like a team that is going to walk to the Premier League title by a considerable distance. That is, I think, nine wins in a row for Manchester City, which is a little bit ridiculous, considering you know the struggles they did have prior to that. Uh, they have really turned things on, and, and they're playing like champions. Gabby Jesus gets the first goal after three minutes. Nick Pope with a bad error. But Jesus on hand to finish. It's two goals in, in you know in a short period of time for him, having had a little bit of a barren spell. It's important for City that they have him firing. And then Raheem Sterling gets the second uh, just before the break, tapping home from Ilkay Gundogan's cross. Ilkay Gundogan, it should be pointed out, may be the best player in England right now. He is playing sensational football. The last 10 to 12 games, he's just been ridiculous. He's obviously scored a bunch of goals, but his creativity, his movement, the the sheer cheek that he's playing with is incredible to watch. An absolute joy. City are playing tremendous football. Jao Canseo's playing very well. Ruben Diaz continues to impress. Last night, America Laporte came into the team at left-back, and what they did in possession was move to a, like a three-diamond three, with Jao Canseo moving into midfield. Rodri anchoring things, and then Canseo... Bernardo and Gundigan, just so much movement, quality on the ball, and the front three providing the width and the trust. So for City, they just they look like a team that's going to be very, very hard to stop this season. I think I think they could have the league wrapped up by kind of late March. Uh, there's a considerable gulf 
when you watch them as opposed to when you watch everybody else in the league. Nobody else controls games the way they do. Nobody else limits their opponents the way they do. And nobody else looks like they could just wallop a team 5 or 6 nil if they decided to, to really run through the gears the way they do. This is a team doing this without Kevin De Bruyne, I should point out. Now, that being said, you look through their team. Ederson, very good goalkeeper. I'm not as high in him as others, but he is good. Canseo, over the last 10 to 15 games, is really starting to look like the player they thought they bought. Uh, Laporte is obviously very good. Diaz has looked great since arriving. Stones is having the best season of his career. Bernardo Silva is or has been borderline world-class in the past. Uh, Poor season last year, but back to his best this year. As I say, there's nobody playing better, maybe in Europe, than Gundogan right now. Rodri is finally settled at City. You can see why they paid the money now. He's a, he's a tremendous defensive midfielder. Mares has been the best player in this league before. Raheem Sterling was a top five player in the league the past two seasons. And Jesus is, if nothing else, he's a goal scorer. He's got movement. He's got instincts. He's normally a decent finisher. He struggled a bit this season, but he has had some injuries. Even without Kevin De Bruyne, that is a remarkable collection of footballers. It is sensational. It would want to be. It cost enough, but it is sensational. Um, City are going to run away with the league, is, is my bet this season as things stand. Up next for them, they have Liverpool away. That'll be a tough one because they have traditionally struggled against Liverpool at Anfield. Uh, then they get Swansea in the Cup. Then City, Then they play Spurs at home in the league. Then Arsenal away. Glad back away in the Champions League. And then West Ham at home. Now, that's a tough run of games. That is four difficult Premier League games in a row. But if they come out of that with three wins and a draw, even three wins, nobody will close the gap on them. They're three points clear with a game in hand. They're they're looking pretty unstoppable at the moment. When you consider, go back to when they drew with West Brom, they were 7th or 8th. And yet, since then, they've just ran through the league like the rest of the league doesn't exist. Um, tough fixtures for them, but you'd back them. You'd have to back them. They're so good. There's so much depth. And De Bruyne will be back soon enough. Uh, for Burnley, look, they weren't expecting anything from this game. They are 8 points clear of Fulham. They've played the same amount of games. They're leveling points with Newcastle. One get one goal worse off in, in the, the goal difference column. I'd back them to gain more points than Newcastle over the rest of the season. They've got a game in hand on the tune as well. Up next for them, Brighton at home. That's a game I think they'll be targeting to win. Then they've got Bournemouth at home in the FA Cup. Palace away. Again, that's a, a game they'll fancy getting a result from. West Brom at home. They'll fancy winning that one. And then Spurs away. So, there's three league games coming up here where Burnley will fancy at least a point. I think they'll be looking at seven points. I think they'll expect to beat Brighton at home and and West Brom at home and get a point away to Palace. If they do that, that will go a long way towards securing safety. Normally, like the tradition has always been 40 points. I, I think this season, as with a lot of the seasons in recent years, 
36 to 38 points is probably all you need, if even, uh, given how poor some of the teams have been this season. It might even be 34 points. But if you can get to 36, I think you're going to be good. And if they were to get seven points from those three games, they would be on 29 and then only need seven points the rest of the way. Um, after the bad start, Dice has turned it around really well. They could do with putting some results together um, again, like they, they have done. But, you know, you'll back Dice to always keep that team in the Premier League. If nothing else, he's a much better manager than Scott Parker. I mean, Fulham have a much better team. 1-11, to 11, Fulham's wipes the floor with, with what Burnley can offer. But Dyche is just levels and levels above um, his counterpart at, at Craven Cottage. And I do wonder if maybe, if if Fulham could stay up, if Newcastle just continued to collapse and Fulham could stay up, I wonder if Dyche would be interested in that job next season. Um, moving on then, next game that we had last night was Fulham themselves against Leicester. Uh, Leicester win 2-0. James Madison in tremendous form, creates both goals, a brilliant cross for Kalichi Iheanacho to score with a good header uh, 17 minutes in. And then he makes the second as well for James Justin, uh, leaves Justin just to round the keeper and tap in. Uh, Leicester looked very, very good last night, looked very, very in control. They've got so much quality in that team. Even without Vardy, they just they looked threatening last night. And when Iheanacho was in the mood and when he remembers that he was once a very highly rated player, he can make a big difference for them. Uh, Leicester had two goals disallowed. The first, um, Iheanacho tapped in. <laughs> he was about, I would say, six yards offside when the ball came to him. <laughs> he taps in and then looks bemused that he's been called offside. Uh, the second was actually a really well-worked goal. Ricardo Pereira, back in the team starting, looked like he had never been away. Um, lovely little one-two with uh, Mark Albrighton and blasted it into the net past Ariola. Albrighton, unfortunately, had been offside in the, the earlier phase. But Leicester did look very, very good last night, I have to say. Hamza Chowdhury had a good game in midfield with maybe a little bit of a point to prove, given they were there was rumours that he was going to be one that was leaving, at least on loan, in January. I think he's better than Mpali's Mendy. I would rather have Hamza Chowdhury in my team. Mendy's probably a better ball winner, but I think Chowdhury's got more about him, more to his game. Uh, Yuri Thielemann's another solid performance last night, but as I said, Madison was in great, great form. And, and James Justin continues to to perform well. Uh, I, I think if you're picking a team of the season, James Justin has to be in it. One way or another, you have to find a way to put him in it. Uh, he's been that good all season, be it right back, left back, left back. When they played him centre back, they've used him in midfield. He just he just turns up and performs. Big for them to get Kagler Sianchu back into the starting eleven as well, especially given Wesley Fofana is out for the next couple of weeks with a, with a bit of an injury. So, all things considered, I think um, I think Leicester are going to be very very happy with things. They sit third in the league. They're seven points off the top, but only two points off United. Up next for them, they've got Wolves. Obviously, Wolves have not been in great form. Did get the win over Arsenal, but mitigating circumstances with the red card. Uh, then they've got Brighton at home in the Cup. Then they've got Liverpool. Then they go to Slavia Prague in the Europa League. Then it's Villa away. Obviously, Villa struggling at the moment. Uh, then Slavia Prague at home. And then Arsenal at home. So, a tough run of games. Four difficult league games, you'd have to say. But... You know, two of them at home against 
Liverpool and Arsenal, they'll be confident in those games. Um, Brendan will will want a victory over Liverpool at this point. He he's probably desperate for one. Wolves and Villa not being in particularly good form could help Leicester when they go to those places. I, all things considered, it's, it's looking very very bright for Leicester at the moment, and they should be very very happy about things. If they can if they can get everybody fit at any point this season, I, I'll be really interested to see what they can string together. Uh, for Fulham, last night was disappointing again. Adamola Luckman and Zambo and Geese are just. They're far too good to be managed by somebody as inept as Scott Parker, and that's pretty much the only thing I'm going to say about it. Um, up next for them, West Ham at home, Everton away, a must-win game against Sheffield United at home, Palace away. So not the toughest run of games. I mean, West Ham, they're obviously playing very well, but it is at home. Uh, Everton away will be very, very difficult. That Sheffield United game, they just have to win it. And Palace away, it just depends on what day you catch Palace. Some days they look like a really good team that could contend for top half of the table. And some days they just look like a team that belongs in the relegation battle. So it's no surprise that they're right in between those two things. Um, Fulham will need to pick up points. They're going to need to start winning some games. I mean, you look at the better results they've had recently. They got you know, the draw against West Brom. It's a game they should have won. The draw away to Brighton was a game they kind of needed to win. They did get a draw uh, against Spurs away, which was a really good result. But the draw at home to Southampton is one they'll be disappointed by. A draw away to Newcastle, a draw at home to Brighton. You know, they beat, they played Liverpool off the park for large spells and only managed a draw. It's a long time since Fulham won a Premier League game. Uh, the last win was over Leicester. And that was in November. I, I don't know how Scott Parker is still the manager. I really don't. Um, whether the ownership are distracted by what, what they're trying to build with the Jacksonville Jaguars, I don't know. But if they want any chance of staying up, they're going to need to change the manager. It's as simple as that. Uh, the best game of football played last night was Everton 2, Leeds 1 at Elland Road. Uh, Everton started the game really well. Luca Dini with a great cross into the box. For a simple tap-in for Gilfie Sigurdsson on nine minutes. And I really did think Everton looked very, very good in spells last night. Now, they changed things up a little bit. James dropped out of the team. He played a lot recently, so he was rest more than anything else. Um, Gomez came into the... Andre Gomez came into the centre midfield and Gilfie moved into the number 10 position. And that balance seemed to work a little bit better. Gomez played some tremendous passes uh, especially to Dina bombing forward down the left side. Luca Dina, he's top three left back in the league. I mean, he just is. He's so important to that team as well. His delivery is remarkably good. Um, Everton went 2-0 up. Dominic Calvert-Lewin ending the drought that has uh, you know, taken over his season a little bit after that great start he had. He went through a, a barren spell, uh, a header from about a metre and a half out. It's about his range, so, you know, very, very good. Leeds did then come back into it and really look like they were going to get something from this game. Uh, Rafinha made it 2-1. And Robin Olsen then, proving that Tiny Arms Pickford should not be in the team anymore, Robin Olsen made at least four very, very good saves. At least four. Denied Harrison, denied Alioski, 
Uh, Struik had a, a, had a chance. He made a great save from just a very, very good performance from Robin Olsen. Uh, Everton almost, to be to their credit, got a third late on when they broke. Uh, Calvert-Lewin 1v1 with, with Melier. Melier makes the save, but, you know, in defense of Calvert-Lewin, it was 16 yards out, so it's probably too too far out for him. But, uh, you know, Leeds played well. Everton played well. This was just a really good game of football between two good footballing sides. And for Everton, it's an important win. After the disappointment of that Newcastle game, they don't want to risk dropping off. As things stand, though, they're four points off Liverpool in fourth with two games in hand. So, again, things have swung back in their favour. If they could win those games in hand, they would plant themselves back in the top four. One of those games in hand is City. I think the other one's Villa, but I'm not 100% certain. Um, coming up next for Everton, they've got Manchester United away. Now, traditionally, Everton have not really turned up when they've played Manchester United, but this season might be different. Then they get Spurs in the FA Cup, then Fulham at home, then Liverpool away in the second Anfield, uh, the second Merseyside derby. Hopefully, there's no long-term injuries caused by Jordan Pickford in this game. Uh, or Richarlison, I've got my eyes on you too, son. Um, and that's it for Everton. That is them through to the end of March, which is weird. They're only playing three games between now and the end of February, rather. Um, everyone else seems to be playing four, but they've got three. They are playing on the first of they're playing on the first of March, which might be what it is. That's probably a Monday night game. I'm not 100 percent certain, but it could be a Monday night game. Uh, the 1st of March is a Monday night, yes, so it is a Monday night game so that explains that, so Southampton at home is that game, so look they should beat Fulham, they should beat Southampton, if the form is the form, when we get round to the Merseyside Derby, they could well go to Anfield and and, and get their first win in God knows how long uh, 20 plus years I think, and then uh, United away is obviously a difficult game and Everton don't tend to to do too well, though they, I think they, they did beat them there last year. But you know, traditionally speaking, they, they've they've tended to roll over and, and, and not really bother themselves uh, too much when it comes to playing their cousins from Manchester. Um, I still think they've got an outside shot at top four. Leicester's form and United's continued, you know, ways of finding victory. Uh, obviously make it a bit more difficult now than it looked a while back, but they've got those two games in hand. If they win those two games in hand, they're level on points with Leicester. If they win one of them, they go fifth, three points behind Leicester, one point behind Liverpool, five points behind United. I still think they're in the mix for a Champions League spot. They're going to need to keep everybody fit. They need to get a land back as soon as possible. Uh, they have missed him massively in midfield. He's He's super important to them. He's apparently due to start training this week, and they're hoping he could be back within the next couple of weeks. So, with a bit of luck, they'll get him back. Gabaman is due back in training as well this week. Now, he hasn't played on the goal season, but he is a very, very good player. And it was a really good signing for them when they landed him. He'd come from from Mines having been at Len for a couple of years and come through their academy. And I mean, at Mines, there was no sign that he would have injury problems. 31 games, 31 games, 33 games across the three years. 
35, 35, 26 across his three years as a first-team player with Len. He's played two games for Everton in 18 months. Two. He's had nothing but injuries. He's had the thigh injury. He had the Achilles injury. Now he's got whatever it is that's causing the problem now. I believe it's a thigh. Oh, it's, a, it's a heel. Oh, it's a, it's a shin or calf injury, apparently. Um, if they get him back, though, he will make a difference. He will make a difference. Is that still the Achilles tendon injury, though? If it is, was that a ruptured Achilles tendon? Because that could be catastrophic. That could be catastrophic if he is, if he's had a, an Achilles tendon injury. Just for a player that relies on kind of being a little bit dynamic, uh, good movement, covers a lot of ground, very good ball winner. That could be career changing for him, which is massively unfortunate because he is very, very good. I know people haven't seen him because he played two games in the last 18 months or so, but he is very, very good. Um, for Leeds, they stay in 11th spot. They can't be anything but delighted with how the season's gone so far. They've got Palace at home next, then Arsenal away, then Wolves away, and then Villa at home to end February. It's a tough run of games. They're all teams in and around them. You know, you look at the table there. You've got... Arsenal in 10th, Villa 9th, Wolves 14th, Palace 13th. They're all the teams in and around them. They're going to be playing. So these are important games so that they don't lose any ground and don't end up dropping you know, down the table a couple of spots. They'll want a top half finish. They're an ambitious club. I, I think it's probably slightly outside their reach, but they will want that top half finish um, because they, they're not in the Premier League to mess about. Bielsa's not in the Premier League just to make up the numbers. And you have to be very, very impressed with what Leeds have done this season. It's been, it's been really, really good. Um, Aston Villa's funk continues. So Villa have now lost three of five. And their home form has been very disappointing over the last couple of months. But you know, if you go back to say, let's go back to November. They lose to to West Ham. They beat Wolves in a strange game where both teams of players sent off. They draw with Burnley at home, which was disappointing. They go and they beat West Brom when West Brom fall apart after they have a man sent off, and then they beat Palace when they themselves have a man sent off. Then it's a draw against an out of form Chelsea, a defeat to United in a game that was was there for Villa to win. Beaten by City, that was fine. Beaten by Burnley, that was disappointing. They did beat Newcastle, but they should beat Newcastle. They beat Southampton 1-0 in, in a game where they didn't play well and they really heavily relied on the referees' uh, mistakes. He said, he'll say decisions, I'll, I'll call them mistakes. And then West Ham last night. And like it didn't ever look like they had a real chance of beating West Ham. Suchek put West Ham 1-0 up on 51. The first half was a decent game of football. And West Ham really took it up a level second half. Now, West Ham rotated some players as well. Jesse Lingard started in the number 10 position. Ben Rama moved out to the left and Fornells dropped to the bench. Ryan Fredericks came in 
in place of Jared Bowen. Um, Ross Barkley looked looked a bit rusty last night. El Ghazi started for Villa, didn't play well. Douglas Louise didn't have a particularly good game. Tyron Ming was his usual all over the all over the place self, and Maddie Cash looked tired. He, he looked tired. He looked like a guy who's played a bit too much football. Um, yeah, West Ham went one 0 up through Thomas Suchek breaking into the box, an absolute rifle of a right foot across the goalkeeper into the bottom corner, gave the keeper no chance. Jesse Lingard made a two. Good movement into the box. I think the goalkeeper should save that. It's it's decently hit, but it's not it's not belted into the corner, and it is very close to the keeper. He gets both hands to it and just can't keep it out. Ollie Watkins makes a 2-1. Uh, really good through ball by Grealish. Grealish had, had rolled out to the right wing, slid the ball into Watkins, and Watkins finished well. Grealish did not play well last night. He didn't play well against Southampton either, but he got an assist. That's back-to-back games where he hasn't played well. I, I want to go back and look at look at more of his form over the last few weeks. I, I've Grealish hasn't stood out to me in quite a while. He's still producing, like he's still getting assists, he's still scoring some goals, but he's drifting in and out of games a little bit too much at the moment. For a guy that they rely on so heavily. Um, they need him to have more of a, of a consistent impact. Lingard made it made it a three one again. The goalkeeper needs to save that. The first one, whatever, it's a good strike with his left foot. It's a half volley that kind of bounces and it's awkward. But the second one, it just goes through him. Like there's no excuse for the goalkeeper on that one. I'm afraid. Um, West Ham were, were the better team over the course of the game. They they really did, especially second half. They really really put Villa to the sword, and probably could have scored a couple more. Uh, Emmy Martinez did make a couple of good saves, but all things considered, I just think Villa they they're still going to be probably top half, and that's massive for them considering what happened last season. But it's just they don't look the same team they did before Barkley got hurt. Now, again, they've had the COVID situation. They've probably got a whole bunch of players trying to, to deal with COVID uh, and the after effects of COVID. So that may be the circumstance there. Like that is, we, we, I've, we've seen, Liverpool fans have seen it with Trent. He hasn't been the same since having COVID. So that may be what the issue is for Villa, is that a lot of their players had it and maybe just are still struggling, struggling a little bit with it. So you would give them a pass on things. Now, coming up for Villa, they do have a uh, difficult enough run. They've got Arsenal at home next, then Brighton away, then Leicester at home, and then Leeds away. That's four difficult games. Arsenal have been in good form of late. Obviously, the the Wolves game aside, now they will be without Leno for that game, so that could help. Um, Brighton are in great form at the minute. They've just beaten Spurs and Liverpool in back-to-back games. They've won more games in the last four than they had in the previous 18. So that, that's going to be a tough one. Uh, Leicester will, will be very difficult because they're very good. And then Leeds just make it difficult for everybody. So that's a tough run of games for Villa. They'll still fancy themselves to win a couple, I think. Uh, they'll be confident. They know they've got a good team there. But I, I do think maybe the COVID after effect is, is 
prevalent there. Uh, for West Ham, the season just continues to roll on. They've got Fulham next, then they've got United in the Cup, then Sheffield United at home, then an out-of-form Spurs at home, and then City away, and you know we'll temper that one. But the next three are all winnable league matches. Fulham is a li- winnable league match for West Ham. So, so Sheffield United should be a win. And Spurs away with the way Spurs are playing, it's not outside the realms of possibility that West Ham rock in to the, to the Tottenham Stadium and beat them. They're fifth in the league, amazingly. They're only two points behind Liverpool. David Moyes is doing a brilliant job. And if he'd done as, if he'd done as well against Liverpool as he's done in every other game this season, they may well be above Liverpool in the table right now. Um, manager of the year, as things stand, without question, David Moyes. Can't be, can't be argued, in my view. Uh, last game of the, the night, then, uh, was Liverpool against Brighton. Um, Brighton won. They won 1-0. And they deserved to win 1-0. Uh, they were the better team in all areas. They defended brilliantly. They controlled the midfield. And they caused Liverpool all manner of problems up front. Uh, their movement, the pace. Uh, Mopé sent Jordan Henderson for a paper and then made him look like a fellow who's a midfielder playing at a position. It's obviously... Jordan discovered last night it's much harder to play uh, as a centre-back when you have actual defending to do, not when someone else is doing the defending and you're just basically there as a distributor. In the last couple of games, Nat Phillips was the defender. He he took on the, the task of marking Antonio in the second half against Spurs. It was him that marked Son and Henderson was basically had a free role and could just distribute from the back. Uh, we saw in the first half against Spurs, Harry Kane led Henderson and Mary dance. Mope did the same thing last night. And um, a great performance from Brighton. Um, deserved their win. Just very good in all areas. Allowed Liverpool to have the majority of possession, but allowed them to have it where they were comfortable with Liverpool having the ball. Liverpool didn't really threaten them. They'd one shot on target in the whole game. Mo Salah could have put Liverpool 1-0 up after two minutes. A very good uh, ball right to left over the top from Jordan Henderson, put Salah in, great first touch, but he lifted his finish over the bar. Unfortunately for Liverpool, they then decided that was the only way to beat Brighton and proceeded to go with diagonals and crosses for the remainder of the game, despite the fact that Brighton had three six-foot-two or taller centre-backs and six-foot-seven Dan Byrne rampaging up and down as their left wing-back. Yves Basima was brilliant in midfield. Lewis Dunk and Adam Webster were particularly good at the back. Mopé and Trossard caused Liverpool so many problems. Trossard's ball retention is very, very good. Uh, he gave James Milner a desperate case of twisted blood in the second half to, to open things up and get a shot away. Cuevin Kelleher stepping in for Adrian, or for, for Adrian, <laughs> stepping in for Alisson, who was ruled out through illness, uh, produced two good saves, could do nothing with the goal. It was a good Shifted the ball around, moved Liverpool right and left, opened things up, crossed to the back post. I've seen some people criticise Trent. Uh, you go and try and defend against a six foot seven left back who has to jump to reach the ball. Nobody could have defended that any better, I'm afraid. There was just nothing to do. Both centre-backs caught flat-footed. It's unfortunate it happens. I don't think anyone realised that Dan Byrne had made that run. It just is what it is. Uh, he heads it back. Nat Phillips makes a desperate attempt to clear it as Alzate and Trossard kind of converge on the ball, and it it kind of cannons off both of them and then loops into the net. 
in comedic fashion as Jordan Henderson just stands there in disbelief watching what's going on. I don't think he could believe it. I could, certainly couldn't believe it. But Brighton were good value for their win. They created the better chances. They played the better football. And um, if they can keep that group together, I've been saying, look, I said it in the summer. I think they're one or two players. I think they're two players short. They're three players short of a top 10 team. I'm not sold on Sanchez. He makes too many mistakes for me. But that back three is very, very good. Lamptey's very, very good. And when he comes back in at right wing back, we know what he can offer. I think they need a better left wing back. I'm not a massive fan of Sully March. He went off injured last night and it didn't look good. They were doing the the knee ligament checks and they called for the stretcher. So uh, I think he I think he walked off in the end, but I it, it didn't look good now to me. So hopefully that's nothing too serious. We'll probably find out in the next couple of days. But fingers crossed, it's not an ACL or anything like that because it'd be, it'd be dreadful luck for March. Um. A good left wing back in. They've got March for depth. Maybe one more for depth on the right-hand side. Someone that can play when Lamptey's not available and, and offer something similar, like a Jed Spence or something maybe from Middlesbrough who can you know get forward, but also he's he's a better defender than, than Lamptey. Um, Basima is tremendous. He, he is tremendous. And he's going to have offers this summer. But if they can hang on to him, along with you know Casado that they've brought in, uh, Davy Proper will still be there, you'd imagine, and Jacob Motor will come into the into the group. So if, if they can keep that group together, along with you know, Alzati played well last night, Gross did okay last night. It's a strong midfield group. If they keep it together, they're going to be in good shape. They've got Mope, they've got Trossard, they've got Connolly, they've got McAllister. If they could get a focal point in attack, someone to play up front with Mope and say McAllister in behind and then Basuma plus one in midfield and then your wing backs. Then you've got the likes of Trissard and Connolly and, you know, good depth coming off the bench. Andy Zakiri came on last night, looked a little bit lively. They really are moving in the right direction. I, I genuinely think three players in their top half team. They've, uh, they've moved themselves up to 15th with that win last night. Uh, two points clear of... Newcastle and only two points behind Wolves. I mean, as things stand, they're only seven points off the top half as as things are going, and they're in great form. Coming up for them, they've got Burnley away, which will be difficult. Then they've got Leicester away in the Cup. Then Villa at home, then Palace at home, and then West Brom away. There's two games there I think they'll target to win, and then the other two are home games. No, I'm telling a lie. I think they'll target a draw at Brighton. Uh, I think Villa at home is going to be tough. And then um, they'll expect to beat Palace at home and they'll expect to beat West Brom away. I think they'll be looking at seven points from those games and thinking if they can do that, then they get Newcastle at home uh, in March. That's another game they should win. You know, there's difficult games in and around that Newcastle game, but there's three games out of their next seven that I think they can win. That's seven league matches, I should say, that I think they can win. And that's that's what will keep them safe. They've just got to keep winning. Um, having only won two games out of their first 18, they've now won three of four and drawn the other. So they're in very, very good form at the minute. Potter seems to have figured a lot of things out. Defensively, they're good. They're dangerous in attack. And they've got just good players in midfield. For Liverpool, look, let me read the injury list from last night. Diogo Jota, ruled out. Fabinho Torres, Fabinho Taveras, ruled out. 
Alison Becker ruled out. Joel Matip out for the season. Sadio Mane ruled out. Naby Keita ruled out. Joe Gomez ruled out for the season. And Virgil van Dijk ruled out for the season. Like, three guys out for the season that year, three centre-backs, that's a massive blow. Your goalkeeper is one of the best goalkeepers, if not the best goalkeeper in the world, that's a massive blow. Fabinho is the best defensive midfielder in the league, maybe the best in the world, that's a massive blow. Jota is your best attacking depth, who would probably play right now, considering the form of Bobby Firmino. And Naby Keita is your best midfield depth, and he will be playing because Fabinho is stuck in defence. So... It's difficult to criticise too much. Look, last night the issue was there wasn't enough fight. It was the same thing against Burnley. It was the same thing against Newcastle. It was the same thing against West Brom. It was the same thing against Southampton. And it was the same thing against Fulham. There's not enough fight in the team. There's no leadership in the team. That is the issue. For all the squawking and the passionate vocal shouts and all the rest of the garbage that we hear about, there is no leadership or organisation in this team right now. This team resembles the pre-Virgil van Dijk team. A rudderless ship. You take the leader out of any team, they're going to struggle. Especially when that leader is also the best player in that team. And when he's also the organizer of the defense, you're going to have problems. Now, there is some relief coming. Ozan Kabak should be, should be eligible to play this weekend. Uh, so you could maybe slot him in. Fabinho is due back this weekend. So maybe you slot in Kabak and Fabinho at centre-back with Trent and Robertson at fullback. That is a massive improvement on what Liverpool have had for most of the season. There was a the couple of games where Fabinho and Mata played together. That was obviously very good. But Kabak and Fabinho should be very good as well. Uh, you get Becker back. He's expected back for the weekend. That's big. That back five gives them a platform to actually go and play. Get Henderson back into midfield. He hasn't been good this season, but as a disruptor, if if Wijnaldum plays in the number six role and Thiago conducts things, play Henderson off the ball, he'll, he'll show real value in that role. Um, Jota, I think he's two or three weeks away still, but he is going, going to be back hopefully by the end of the month. That will help. Naby Keita will be back hopefully in the next couple of weeks. So they are going to get some relief soon. And if Quebec settles quickly, I still think they're good. They're a good bet for second place. I still think they're a good bet for second place. Very, very difficult game coming up this weekend. Obviously, Manchester City uh, at home. Then they go to. Then they've got uh, Leicester away. So back to back games that really they could do without. Uh, Leipzig away. That game is currently under a little bit of threat. Now that game might get, end up playing in England. It could be played in Austria because teams aren't allowed to travel into Germany because of their COVID laws. So. We'll wait and see where that one is. Then Everton at home in the derby. That's not going to be fun. And then Sheffield United away. And they should win that game. <laughs> they really should win that game. But Sheffield United are, are, are being a bit feisty at the moment. They've, you know, they've won three games of late. So, look, <laughs> who knows? Who knows? Um, God, that wouldn't be good. But, yeah, the next four league games, they're not ideal. After that, then, it does it does kind of ease up a little bit with Fulham and Wolves and Chelsea at home and Arsenal and, and Villa, they, they, their games they should start to win, especially with everybody back, bar the three centre-backs, but Quebec into the team. Um, yeah, look, the, the, last night was just it was just a really bad performance for Liverpool. Uh, they reverted that crossing nonsense that they'd displayed against Burnley and, and the other bad teams, but 
They always do well against the better teams. That's the thing with this Liverpool team. They've always traditionally done better against the likes of City and that. So, you know, they'll still they'll still give themselves a fighting chance in the next couple of games. But I still think they're a good bet for top, for at least top four. And I, I still think they'll get second. Uh, there's there's not two better teams in the league than Liverpool. There's just not. There isn't two better teams in the league. There's one better team than them this season. And when Liverpool are full strength, they're the best team in the league. So it is what it is. We move on. We move on. Uh, no time, unfortunately, for Twitter questions this week because there is a full round of midweek games. Uh, one game tonight, obviously, it is Chelsea versus um, Tottenham Hotspur. That should be a good game. Spurs, though, out of form, um, back-to-back defeats against Liverpool and Brighton. Chelsea, a draw and a win under Thomas Tuchel, but this is a much bigger test than what he has faced so far in Wolves, who have, were desperate going into that game. And uh, and Burnley, both of those games well at home. So this is first away game. I I think Spurs need a performance here. Um, I I I still think if they don't get I if they don't get top four, that is a massive massive disappointment. That is a, it's a disaster. Given the money they spent, given the squad that they have, it will be a disaster. Um, despite not having Twitter questions from this week, I do have a couple of questions. Uh, actually I don't uh, Chris Colby tweeted uh, t- messaged me that he had a question but he didn't send me the question I do have one question from Eddie Gibbs my good friend Eddie from last week um, name a Premier League 11 my my Premier League 11 over the age of 30 so I'm taking that to include 30 I'm, I'm taking it as 30 and over I can't remember the exact wording but I'm faking it, taking it as 30 and over so Goalkeeper was the most difficult position. And I came down to three choices. Hugo Lloris, who's 34. Kasper Schmeichel, who's also 34. And Rui Patricio, who is 32. I'm going to go with Rui Patricio. I think he's the best of the three at this point. Uh, I think he plays behind by far the worst group of defenders. Uh, Leicester have a much better group of defenders, as do Spurs. Rui plays behind lads that should probably be in the championship. And uh, yet he holds it together. So I'm going to go with Rui Patricio in goal. Um, I am going to go with Kyle Walker at right back. Uh, He's 31. I didn't see a whole lot of real competition from him. Aspilicueta was one. He hasn't been very good the last couple of years. Uh, Matt Loughton at uh, Burnley was one. But again... I mean, he's average. He's average more than anything else. Um, so I think I'm I'm quite happy with Walker at right back. Aaron Cresswell, also 31. I slot him in at left back. Again, if you look at the best left backs in the league, none of them are none of them are close to 30. So I think he is the obvious pick. Though the only other one, I think I think he's 29. Let me check. Patrick Van Aanholt. Oh, Patrick Van Aanholt is is 30. So. I'd actually, I, I'd change that up. I'm going to change, I, I don't know why I didn't think of that earlier. I'm going to change it up. We're going to go with PVA, who is 30, uh, at left back. Good attacking left back. Good on the ball. I, I like him. Uh, at centre back, Toby Alderweireld, no-brainer. 31 years of age. Has been one of the best defenders in the league for the past five years. And next to him, Johnny Evans at 33. Um, just the most underrated defender in the league. Very consistent, very reliable. Uh, doff of the cap to Ben Mee, 
who would be third on this list for me. Um, no pun intended. Uh, uh, just a very reliable centre back. So yeah, Ben Me would be would be my sub. Um, my sub centre back. Uh, I've gone for a diamond in midfield just to be a bit fancy. Uh, Alan of Everton as the deepest. He is thirty years of age. I, I think he's one of the best midfielders in, in Europe. I, I just think he's brilliant at what he does, and um, you'd have to have him in the team. Uh, I've gone for João Matinho as my number ten. Uh, I know he doesn't play as a number ten, but I'm giving him freedom, saving his legs, playing him nice in advance so he can feed the strikers. Um, he's thirty-four and he just continues to defy time. And then uh, Jordan Henderson and Ginny Wijnaldum are both 30 years of age and they will make up the engine of my midfield. So uh, Alan, Ginny, Henderson and Moutinho in midfield. And up front, I thought it was pretty straightforward. Jamie Vardy, who's 34, and Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, who is 31. So Rui Patricio, Kyle Walker, Patrick Van Aanholt, Toby Alderweireld, Johnny Evans, Alan... Ginny Wijnaldum, Jordan Henderson, Joe Moutinho, Jamie Vardy, and Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. If you think differently, do let me know on the Twitter machine, at TwoFootedPod. We'll have a little look at the gossip, because we've got a little bit of time left. Uh, Chelsea manager Thomas Tuchel has made RB Leipzig's France defender, Deat Upamecano, and Bayern Munich's Germany centre-back, Nicolas Sula, his top defensive targets in the summer. Now, 18 months ago, I would have said there's no chance of getting Nicolas Sula, but he doesn't, he's not quite the same defender he was. He's still only 25, so he's still, you know, still a young defender, but he, he was looking monstrous about 18 months ago. Um, I think Upa Meccano probably goes to Bayern, which may make Sula available. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe it does. Um, Sula would be really good for Chelsea. He would be really good for Chelsea. Um, Sula is under contract until next year, so he's out of contract 2022. And Hansi Flick says it's up to the defender to decide where his future is. So maybe Sula wants to leave. Maybe Sula wants to leave. Uh, this is always very good. Borussia Dortmund are willing to drop their asking price for Jadon Sancho by £20 million to reignite interest from Manchester United. No, they're not. Why would they do that? They don't want to sell him. They're just open to selling him and allowing to, him to leave if someone pays their, their asking price. Dear, oh dear. And it's not like Jaden Sancho has not been great this season. He's been brilliant. So interest is going to be there regardless. The only thing is, is whether anyone can pony up the money in, in, you know, in the COVID pinch. Uh Dortmund may well get to keep Sancho for another year because nobody might have the money for him. Um, Real Madrid have agreed a four-year contract with David Alaba. Again, this is market. This is nonsense. There's been absolutely nothing to suggest that there's real truth to this. Um, Sheffield United owner Prince Abdullah says he got special permission to fly from Saudi Arabia to England to tell Chris Wilder that his job is safe, even if the club are relegated. So, a couple of things. Number one, absolutely the right move to tell him that his job is safe. He should not be under any threat there. Um, and I'm glad to see that they've, they've made that decision. Because I did say a few weeks ago that they would have to make a decision one way or another. If they were going to move on from him, it was, now was probably the time just to allow someone to come in, 
get through the end of the season and, and be ready for next year. But other than that, they had to fully get behind Wilder and make him know his job was, let him know his job was safe. I did say keep him. Like, he's a very good manager. He's one of the, the better managers, I think, around. Uh, so it, that's great. The other thing, though, is don't they have, like, Skype or Zoom in Saudi Arabia? Are there no phones? Did he, did he need to fly in to tell him? Could he could he not have got on FaceTime and let him know? Um, that that just seems like a, a rich person using their position. Um, Barcelona's Danish forward Martin Braithwaite rejected interest from West Brom to remain at the Camp Nou. Um, well, if, I mean, if you don't like playing football, sure, stay where you are, sit on the bench, have a look. You've got good seats, you know. Free season tickets to Barca. You know, it's nice to see Messi play his last season there. Um, it's I, I I never understand players that are happy to stay somewhere and not play. Now he might might be on great money, and maybe that's the case. Maybe just not motivated anymore. But it's it's weird. Uh, Arsenal, Tottenham, and Southampton are interested in signing French defender Evan Endicca from uh, Eintracht Frankfurt. I would rule out Southampton straight away. He is a young left-footed ball-playing centre-back. They bought Salisu in the summer, who is a young left-footed ball-playing centre-back. So I'd rule them out. He would make a lot of sense for Tottenham. He would make no sense for Arsenal because they have Gabriel and Pablo Mari. So for Tottenham, I would say that's real. For the other two, I would say their names are just thrown in, probably by an agent. Maybe and maybe he's looking for a new contract. Uh, John Terry and Patrick Vieira are among the candidates for the Bournemouth job following the sacking of Jason Tindall. Um, I would 100% back Vieira. He did a good job at Nice. I think he was a little unfortunate to lose his job. John Terry has no management experience. So why would you give him that job? Other than the fact that his name is John Terry. But Patrick Vieira was a better player than him. So if you're just going to go on playing reputation alone, you go with Vieira. But if you want to go by management, Vieira is also the much better candidate there. So Vieira would be the one for me. A little bit surprised that Bournemouth, Bournemouth sacked him so so early. Um, I thought it was a, a strange appointment, kind of a cheap appointment in the summer because I felt like they needed to kind of change things up, move away from the Eddie Howe regime and appointing as number two didn't really seem like the best way to do that. And they had lost four in a row, but they are still sixth in the championship. They're still in the playoffs. Um, and they are five points behind Watford in fairness, but that's them and Watford have sacked their managers this season when both had the team in the top six. So it, it just shows how ruthless things can be. My guess is that with Bournemouth, we know that they had massively over, you know, spent outside their means for their time in the Premier League. They're a very small club that wasn't sustainable. The owner was propping them up, and when they went down without the, you know, the, the Premier League TV money things were going to get a little bit roping. Now, they have had the parachute payment, which, of course, will help, but um, that starts start to tail off next season, and maybe they'll find themselves in a bit of trouble. Like, if they don't go up, there'll be a fire sale. Uh, Lewis Cook, um, David what? David Brooks, uh, none of these lads, are, these lads are not staying in the championship in the year. No hope. No hope at all. David Brooks is far too good for the championship. And Lewis Cook is too good for the championship. So they will make a move to come back up. But yeah, Vieira will be the one I would go with there. Manchester United, Everton and Southampton have made approaches to sign Celtic's 
17-year-old Vincent Angelini. He's a goalkeeper out of contract at the end of the so at the end of the season. Celtic cannot keep their best young players. I don't know why. I don't know what's going on, but their inability to keep their best players from the academy is just staggering. The level of incompetence that's drifted into that club in the last couple of years is concerning. Manchester United have agreed a first pr- professional contract with 17-year-old English winger Shola Shorthire uh, amid strong interest from in PSG, Barca, Bayern and Juve. I don't know anything about him. He's meant to be talented, but I've never seen him play. Former Chelsea and Juve boss Maurizio Sarri has turned down an approach to become the new manager at Marseille. Don't blame him. The club is in absolute raptures at the moment. Raptures is the wrong word. Chaos. Chaos is the word I'm looking for. Uh, They're for sale. They're owned by a fool. Their sporting director is just not very good at what he does. Uh, Their manager just quit in the middle of a press conference. Um, They've got... uh, Their main centre-back wants to leave. They've got a bunch of other players that don't want to be there anymore. Uh, Things are not good. Their fans broke in uh, to their training ground, set things on fire and attacked them. So things are not good at Marseille at the moment. It would not be a job anyone would would want. Uh, Real Madrid forward Kareem Benzema's return to Lyon depends on the Spanish side side's results. He's been linked to the move back to Leon for the summer. Um, it's probably time. At 33, Real need to be finding, you know, his successor. Uh, that's what Jovic was meant to be, but he never really got an opportunity. Um, Arsenal's English midfielder, Joe Willock, says that he signed for Newcastle on a six-month loan because he hit it off with Steve Bruce on a video call. It was probably just the amusement of seeing a head that big take up your full screen. Um, New York Red Bulls have signed have an agreed a deal to sign Cameron Harper from Celtic. Again, 19-year-old American winger was in the academy. Very, very talented, very promising. Now it's look, he is American, so maybe he wanted to go home. But it's disappointing for Celtic, having had him there for three years to uh to lose him. That is that is disappointing. But Celtic have given up a little bit. Um, and it, until Neil Lennon goes, that club is going absolutely nowhere. And that's it. That is me for today, boys and girls. Thank you very much, as always, for listening. Thank you to Mr. Drinkle for his uh, production. And thank you to Fox Haunt for the title music. Please continue to tell your friends. Share the word. Uh, wind up a Manchester United fan if you can today. I think I've wound up uh, 100 of them already today. Uh, merely by pointing out that while Liverpool have lost... Uh, two games in the Premier League at home this season. United have lost four at home this season, whereas Liverpool have only lost four at home in the last four and a half seasons. And they've all taken great offence to this. This is These are, of course, the 15-year-olds that don't really remember what United were like when they were good and are very excited by being second. That's it. That's me. Take care. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.